And as you take your seat, would you open in your copy of God's Word to the Gospel of John, chapter 16. We'll read John 16, verses 25 through 33. If you don't have your own Bible, please feel free to use the Black Pew Bible that you can find in front of you. You can find our passage on page 903 of the Pew Bibles. In this section of John, when I've been filling in in the mornings, we've kind of made our way through the what's called the Upper Room Discourse, which is John's Gospel, chapter 13, and uh, through the end of chapter 16, and John 17 is the High Priestly Prayer. So we have these final moments of Jesus' instruction to his disciples before he prepares himself to be taken to the cross. And uh, what a precious glimpse that we get uh, to be invited at the table with the disciples as Jesus instructs them uh, before he is preparing to depart from them. So with that in mind, let's read John 16, verses 25 through 33. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world And going to the Father. His disciples said, Oh, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. As far the reading of God's word, would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, I pray that you would show us plainly your grace and glory in Jesus Christ. Help us, Holy Spirit, to look to you and to worship you truly, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we, again, are having a break from our normal uh, normal series in Exodus this morning... Uh, it's helpful, again, to remember what's going on. We, we already know that we're in the upper room as Jesus is speaking to his disciples at the very end of his public ministry. And he is preparing his disciples for his departure. And that departure, he's not going on a trip. He hasn't uh, bought a ticket to, to go on vacation somewhere. No, he's, he's talking about his, his departure to death, going to the cross, uh, bearing the weight of sin for God's people. And he is telling his disciples, this is the hour. 
verses 25 and 32, he, he says this to them. The hour is coming. In verse 32, and he adds, indeed, it has come. He's saying to his disciples, he is catching their attention. He's saying to them, now is the time. This is the hour. What hour, you may ask? The hour of Jesus' trial and death on the cross. The hour of His resurrection. He is talking about the hour that has been planned from before the foundations of the world in which the Son of God will accomplish redemption for the people of God. Jesus is now about to step into this hour in order to redeem a lost and confused and bewildered people and make them His own by bearing their judgment and giving them new life. This is the hour that Jesus is telling His disciples about. There are certain moments in our lives that we prepare ourselves for. Some are, can be pretty exciting. Maybe it is a vacation. The hour has come. We can finally go. We're going to the beach. Or perhaps for some of you, the hour has come where you have to finally do that dreaded exam in class. The hour has come. Or perhaps to have to do a presentation at work that is, has been so stressful to prepare for. But there's never been an hour in the history of humanity like the hour that Jesus is entering into. What an hour. And the disciples are totally missing it. They they totally, it's, it's going over their heads. They do not understand the importance of the moment. They are on the edge, they are on the precipice of the most important hour in human history. And they don't see it. And what's interesting about this passage, and what I really want us to think about this morning, is is the fact that Jesus, in this moment, He's talking to them, He's preparing them for His great moment. And His disciples still don't understand, and, and what Jesus does is that he, well really what he doesn't do, is he doesn't shun them. He doesn't say, I'm done with you. Why don't you understand? I spent three years training you, teaching you for this moment, and you still do not understand. No, that's not what he says. Rather, in this passage, he continues to stoop down to them. He continues to come and draw near to them. It's what theologians call accommodation. Jesus is accommodating to the disciples. The Son of God is worthy of all glory and praise. The Messiah, the Savior of humanity. He's here and the disciples are missing Him and yet He continues to pursue after them. What we see in this passage is the nature of God's love, the accommodating nature of God's 
love. And that's what I want us to think about, the accommodating love of God. First, first point we see that shows us the, the accommodating love of God is, is that the fact that Jesus is patient. How patient is Jesus? Look at verse 25. He says to, the, to his disciples, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. And you begin to see that the, 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 the crisis, the issue is not just in this moment, but it's, it's always been the case with the disciples. Up until now, the entire time Jesus has been with Peter and with James and John and the others, he's been speaking to the disciples in figures of speech. He's been speaking to them in ways that they can understand. Because they are not able to comprehend the deep things of God and the real, the, the real depths of who Jesus is. And so Jesus comes to them and speaks to them about the eternal things of, of God in ways that they can understand. He simplifies the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. Why does Jesus speak to them in this way? Well, he says earlier on in chapter 16 that the disciples are simply not ready. They are not ready to hear the things of God with comprehension. They're not capable of it. John Calvin speaks about how God's accommodating love for us is like a nurse. When we look at the Scriptures, it's like a nurse who prattles to her baby. And I love that image. It really helps me to understand how God approaches us in Jesus Christ. I love the image you think about, you know, some of these men that I've known. I, I, there's one man that I, that I know, a great godly man, but he was a biker. He wore the, the leather jacket. He had his sleeves cut off and big, you know, big goatee and the sunglasses, big burly man. Uh, but they, they adopted several, several foster children and uh, this big biker guy holding this little baby. He was intimidating to look at, but in that moment, he would just look at the baby and just say, goo goo gaga, or something like that. It's a great image, isn't it? You talk to a baby, don't expect them to, again, talking about covenant theology or whatever. You, you make sounds to them, you smile, you stick out your tongue to a, to a little child and you enjoy them. We speak to children even as they grow older, not just when they're babies, but we speak to them on a level that they can understand. You don't spend time, if you're an engineer, talking about the finer points and details of your work uh, with your second grade child. You don't spend time talking about uh, the depths of, or the, all the uh, intricacies of politics or finances or all the things about the, how the world works. Now you teach them about these things. But because you love them, you don't overwhelm them with things that they are not ready to comprehend. You engage them, again, as a nurse prattles to a baby or as a, as a, as a big biker, burly biker guy speaks to a little child in his arms. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what I've been doing to you all along, disciples. 
I've been communicating the eternal truths of God to you in this way. How patient Jesus has been to the disciples. Again, it's not just in this moment, but it's been the entire seminary career of the disciples. Jesus patiently bore with the disciples. And and He accommodated to their weaknesses and their, their slowness and he persevered in leading them on. How many times would, would many people, many leaders have been tempted to just give up on these guys? Jesus never gave up on them. But now He tells them, now the hour is coming when I will begin to speak to you plainly about the Father. The day is coming when the disciples will never, no longer be spoken to as children, but will be spoken to plainly, openly, not as a mother to a child, but as those who are then able to comprehend. I just think about the, the privileges that the disciples have had, having sat at the feet of Jesus for these past years up until this point. Think about the things that they would have seen. The, the miracles, the, the healings, and the, the casting out of demons. When Jesus would, would preach in parables and the crowd said, what's going on? I don't understand this. And then Jesus would turn around and say to the disciples, but to you, I will explain these parables to you. And yet, it's not until the resurrection of Jesus, not until after that takes place, Will the disciples really begin to understand the life and the work of Jesus Christ? It is only after the resurrection that the disciples will be able to make sense of the cross, even though Jesus has been telling them what is going to happen. And it's interesting, Jesus says, and of the things that I've been teaching you about, and figures of speech, and the things that you will learn about plainly, What are they meant to understand? Well, verse 25, they are meant to understand God the Father. It's interesting to me how Jesus humbly says, I I don't promise you to show me Himself, but I promise you to show the Father. He's beginning to teach them all this that I have done. The miracles, the, the parables, the the patiently bearing with you, all of this has been to give attention to God the Father. And in this moment, He says, I'm about to unveil it to you. Soon you will see what you've not been able to see so far. You will see, be led to see into the heart of God. The hour is coming, Jesus says, not only for Jesus to go to the cross, but the hour is coming for the world to fall apart for the disciples. And instead of saying, this is where you go and hide, and this is what you do to protect yourself, and this is how you argue in the courts when they come to arrest you, he says, all of this is so that you will know God the Father. And to know God the Father, he says, you will know the Son, Jesus Christ. There's this sense in this section of, of John's Gospel where the, 
There's an urgency, as it were, for Jesus to teach and to explain and for the disciples to begin to grasp who God really is. They've not really fully seen Him yet. To begin to grasp that the, the, the love that the Father has for the Son and that the Son has for the Father. That's why in verse 28, Jesus says, I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. Earlier in chapter 16, he's talked about the Holy Spirit working to, to shed light on who Christ is. And he's pressing upon them, you must see and you will understand who God really is. Triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's about to pray in chapter 17 about the oneness of the disciples. Would be, uh, that their fellowship would be like the fellowship and the communion within the Trinity. And as the Spirit glorifies the Son, and the Son brings glory to the Father, He's saying, I'm going to show you, and you will see plainly who God really is. They've not yet seen fully, because they've not been ready. But Jesus says in verse 25, the hour is coming where I will tell you plainly about the Father. And so we see, first of all, how Jesus has patiently borne with the disciples. But we further see the accommodating love of God in verses 26 and 27. Because in doing this, He all along has been bringing the disciples to God. And that's the work of Jesus Christ in our lives, to bring us to God. Look at verses 26 and 27. It says this, In that day... You will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came from God. I want us to remember, as Jesus is speaking to the disciples, they don't understand, they don't grasp the moment that they are in, and yet they, their hearts are troubled right now. Jesus has told them, I'm about to leave you. And they, the Bible has said in this, in this upper room that their hearts have been troubled because they, they've been told we're about to lose our Master and they don't understand. Peter has said, wherever you go, Jesus, I will go. And Jesus tells them, you're not ready. You're not ready. And so their hearts are troubled. But instead of, again, berating them, why don't you understand yet? What Jesus does is that He, he comforts them. He comforts them that their relationship is not merely with them. They've been hanging on to Jesus. He is their hope, and of course, He is our hope as well. He says, I'm bringing you to the Father. The Father Himself loves you. Did you see that? He says, for the Father Himself loves you. What He's saying is that the the moment is about to come where the disciples are going to have direct access to God through Jesus Christ. He's telling them, he's saying, you haven't understood fully who I am. Yes, you have believed, you have faith. But listen, I'm not a hero. Not like Superman or some great politician. They've been following, not a hero, but they've been following the Son of God. 
And he's prepping them for his going to the cross, which is going to accomplish the work of salvation for God's people. And because Jesus goes to the cross and because he bears the sins of God's people and he dies and then rises from the grave, he's telling them the doorway to God, because of all that I'm about to do, the doorway to God is being opened for you. What are they going to find on the other side? Why is Jesus going to the cross? Well, if you are in Jesus Christ, then you know the answer. On the other side of the cross, you find not one who will condemn you. You will find one who is holy and righteous. But if you're in Christ, not one who will condemn you, but one who loves you. You see, if you have trusted upon Jesus Christ in faith, then the Father Himself loves you. Isn't it fascinating? It's not merely that God will tolerate you. You know, some of you might have teenage children and they, your teenager might bring home a friend from school or whatever and you tolerate them. But it's not like that. When Jesus brings us to the Father. It's not merely that God will tolerate you. John Calvin writes in this verse, he says, For the Christian, he says, We have the heart of the Heavenly Father. We have the heart of the Heavenly Father. As soon as we have placed before Him the name of His Son. We have the heart of the Heavenly Father. Verse 27 says, The Father Himself loves you because you have loved Me. Perhaps you you need to hear that this morning. If you're a Christian, you need to hear and be reminded that that our Father in Heaven loves you. There might be a lot of trouble going on in your life. Difficulty in, in work or perhaps you have failing health. Or those you're close to are having failing health or in difficult places and Maybe you're struggling with issues within your family or marriage. And, and perhaps all this stuff that's going on outside of you is working doubts within you. And you have doubt creeping into your heart about God. Let me remind you that if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, the Father Himself loves you. Hear that. Know that. Remember that. Jesus says, The Father loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. You look at this verse and I want you to know He's not saying here that you, have, uh, that you are loved by the Father because your love for Jesus originates from you. It's not, it's not something that you earn by having this sort of working out this love. Because if that were the case, we'd all be lost. We all would be, we would all be lost if that were the case. And we see the Apostle John elsewhere will say, we love God because He first loved us. So what's Jesus teaching here? He's assuring His disciples. He's comforting His disciples of the Father's love And he says, you can know. You might ask the question, how can I know that God loves me? 
He's saying, you can be sure of God's love because of your faith in Jesus. When you have... When you love Jesus Christ and when you trust Him, that's a sign that God loves you. Or put it another way, I, I get this question sometimes from people who will ask me, how, how can I know? How can I know that God loves me? Well, the Bible would answer that question by asking you a question. Do you love God's Son, Jesus Christ? Do you love Him? If you have trusted in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, then the Father loves you. If you have not just trusted in Jesus Christ, however, if you have not put your heart in His hands, then you also need to know you are not near to God. But if you have loved Jesus Christ, the Father loves you. Do you love Jesus Christ? It's a personal question. Do you love Him? Do you know that He is the way, the truth, and the life? Is He the Savior to whom you bow your head? Even when you have your troubles and when your heart is clouded with doubts. The answer is yes. And the Father loves you because He loves everyone who loves His Son. The third way we see God's accommodating love is how Jesus bears with us. Jesus bears with us, particularly in our overconfidence. We see that with the disciples. Verse 29, take a look. He says, The disciples have heard what Jesus has said, and now they say in verse 29, Uh, It says, ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. It's as if somehow now Jesus said, well, I've been speaking to you in figures of speech because you can't comprehend things yet, disciples. It's like, they again, they just missed that. Feels like me in calculus class. Oh, now I know. Somehow they've, they've come to believe that now they, at, at last, I understand everything. Even though, again, Jesus just said, you don't understand everything. And you know, I, I think again about what is about to happen. Jesus, these are the last words that Jesus says before he goes off to the garden to pray. And you remember as he prays in the garden, it's so stressful, it's such a stressful moment. He, he sweats drops of blood. And there he will be arrested and this, this, this trial, this silly mock trial takes place. And he's going to be tortured and forced to carry his own cross where he's to a place where he's going to be painfully and publicly killed. And the shame of the world will be staring at him. And in the midst of that, where are his disciples going to be? <laughs> Far away. They will have run away. Peter's already been told. Jesus has already told him, you're going to deny me three times before the night is over. And even after the resurrection, after he's died, then some time has passed and he's risen from the grave. Jesus goes to find the disciples. Where does he find them? 
They're not out in the streets preaching to the people about the Messiah who has died for the sins of the world. They're hiding behind a locked door, afraid. I think about the shame and the disappointment that the disciples must have felt. Perhaps after the resurrection, after Jesus had started to speak plainly to them about the Father, and they remember this moment. I can't believe I said that. Now you, now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. We know. We're ready now, Jesus. And do you notice Jesus' response in verse 31? Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Do you really think You understand. Do you really think you understand? Jesus knows that to some degree these men do know who Jesus is. They they do have faith. He has taught them what he has come to do. And yet they don't understand how fragile their faith is. They do have faith, but it's a shallow faith. A weak faith. Their faith was true, but it was shallow and weak. And Jesus tells them in verse 32, Behold, the hour is coming, indeed has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and you will leave me alone. He's telling them. He's exposing to them how shallow and weak their faith is. They say, now we know. Jesus says, no, you still do not know. You're terrified. You will run away. And you will leave me alone in the hands of my enemies. I think about this and I think, isn't this like, isn't it like this for so many of us? Isn't it like this for so many of us too? Where we think, my faith is strong. I can handle anything. And the reality is we find when trial comes, my faith is weak. We think we know more than we really do. And then all of a sudden something happens. Maybe we're disappointed or I get angry and it's it's like we've lost our way. We are so much like the disciples. Even though we're on this side of the cross and the resurrection. We many times still see things dimly. We, we limp in our lives of faith. Can't we be so proud sometimes? Like Peter, he's told them in the upper room, I will never leave you, Jesus. Peter told him that just earlier. How gentle Jesus is with Peter. You know, these disciples, I think they meant what they said. But the reality is they didn't know their own hearts. Do you know your own heart? Do any of us know how far we might fall when we face a real strong temptation? 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 says this, Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. How often do we think more highly of ourselves than we ought. 
We read this passage, and instead of shaking our heads and, you know, to the disciples, we ought to look at this and, and humble ourselves before God and realize that my life, not their life, not your life, my life needs to be a life that is, that is prayerful and is, is watchful. Because when we look at the disciples, we're given in a sense an image or picture of our own hearts. There are better men and women than you and I who have fallen. So Jesus asks, do you now believe? We get the sense that how important the ongoing cultivation of our faith is. Why it's important to be persistent in worship, filling our minds and our hearts with the Word of God. To have honest and true fellowship with other believers. All of this is so vital to our lives because we need to be humbled before God. We need to have prayerful and watchful lives. My friends, how is your soul doing this morning? Do you think you will stand in the day of trouble? Jesus looks at his disciples and he he knows all of this. He knows it about his disciples and he knows it about you. He knows the state of your heart. And what's amazing is it's true. We can be strengthened in our faith and that needs to be a prayer that we would be strengthened in our faith. And yet, even when we have weak faith, he bears with us. Look at verse 33. He continues to give assurance to his disciples. He says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the the world. If I were one of the disciples, I would think peace is the last thing that I have right now. Because the reality is, you will go through tribulation. That's what he tells his disciples. And the disciples are really about to experience this. But notice Jesus says to them, in me, in me, you will have peace. As long as we live in this present world, which is set against Jesus Christ, the Christian yet at the same time lives in Christ. And it is being in Christ that gives peace. Not merely the peace of forgiven sin, though he gives that. But the peace of knowing that you belong to Jesus Christ who has conquered the world. He has conquered it through the cross and the resurrection. Perhaps Jesus has in mind that moment that's about to come when he's hanging on the cross and he says, it is finished. The moment Satan is crushed and the domain of darkness is broken forever. And the people of God are brought into the assurance of the glory that is theirs in Jesus Christ. My Savior has won. So whatever attempts the world may make against Jesus Christ, they ultimately are futile. They won't stand because Jesus has overcome the world. And what it means to be a Christian is to be united with Jesus Christ, to be united with the one who conquers And all of those who are in Jesus Christ share in His triumph. 
Even when Jesus is abandoned by his disciples, he looks and says to them in verse 32, even then, you may leave me alone, yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. What a contrast he makes here. God's faithfulness, the faithfulness of the Father who loves you versus the faithfulness of the disciples. And you may find times in your life where you turn around and everybody's gone. Everyone is gone. But God will never abandon you if you are in Jesus Christ. In communion with the Father and the Holy Spirit, Jesus is about to prepare himself in prayer as he prepares himself to hang on the cross in order to bear what you and I would never be able to carry so that we might be forgiven of sin and be welcomed into his eternal presence. May for all of us, we never be so proud to think that I have risen to God's level. But thanks be to God that he accommodates to us, that he comes down and stoops to us. And that in love, Jesus Christ comes to us so that in him, we might be brought up to God and near to him. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, thank you for the love that you show us in Jesus Christ. May this truth never be far from our hearts. Help us to be watchful and prayerful in our lives. Keep us near to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.